All you get is cold looks everywhere you turn. Headed down the wrong road, never gonna learn. It's always the same. You're not gonna change. So you stomach the pain. It's for the love of the game. All you get is cold looks everywhere you turn. Headed down the wrong road, never gonna learn. It's always the same. You're not gonna change. So you stomach the pain. It's for the love of the game. See the place. What up? We're about to do an interview right now. That Maron Sedgwick. What up, Joe? Coming, bro. What up? All right, everyone, this is 7 Octobers here with another episode of Nightmare on Sedgwick Avenue. Uh, it's season two, episode five. Today, I have a special guest. Uh, pause one before I bring him on the screen. I'm going to go ahead and give a quick yep. intro uh, of him. So he's in uh, Los Angeles MC. Um, he just dropped his latest EP, Dance on My Grave. I just played one of the tracks off the EP called Wrong Road. So go check it out. Uh, we'll be talking about that in a second. But without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and bring him here on the screen. Hey, pause. What's up? What up? What up? Shit, hey. I just uh, <laughs> I just uh, finished my podcast a little while ago. And like, I think we did like three hours or some shit. And like, oh, shit, man, it's funny because afterwards you just feel like you still hear people talking in your head. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like. I just try to close my eyes and like get to right. your zone. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you. I appreciate you. you having me. Shit. Yeah, no, thank you for uh, for making time to like uh, talk with me for a little bit. So we'll talk about your podcast too. But I kind of want to have you introduce yourself um, to those of like the people that follow me might not know specifically who you are. So if you can introduce yourself, uh, where you're from, how long you've been rapping, uh, what's the meaning behind your name? All that good stuff, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm an MC from Los Angeles. MC is in the title that you're given uh, easily. Uh, master of ceremonies, meaning like, yeah, you can rap, but can you rock a party? Can you talk to the crowd? And uh, when it comes to recording and shit, it's, uh, I guess you uphold more of the hip hop culture aspect as opposed to just rap and trying to cash in real quick, creating a gimmick and so on. Uh, so the MC yeah. thing was real big. I didn't add it to my name. My name actually came from graffiti. Okay. So that was my introduction into the culture of hip hop was uh, really just being a fucking vandal, going out, <laughs> carving my name, tag tagging my name anywhere I could, everywhere I could. Uh, and then from that, you know, being a fan of music, being a fan of hip hop, uh, kind of jumping into uh, the rhyming aspect because we would drink, smoke and kind of cypher or whatever. And I had shit on my mind and I say a couple lines and then eventually they're like, yo, well, you're pretty good. So when we go to these parties, we want you to represent the crew on the mic. Yeah. And so that was my job, more or less. And then uh, cool. that kind of evolved into battle rap and then, you know, battling other dudes from other graffiti crews and other uh, cities or whatever coming from L.A. And I say L.A. meaning like, you know, the general, you know, the county, whatever the fuck, because I've lived in Long Beach. I've lived I was yeah. born in Compton, I've lived in Norwalk, you know, Bellflower, Pomona. I've lived all over. OK. And uh, so taking that and going to other countries. And other states, you know, when you say like, well, I'm from L.A. Because if I were to tell you, yo, I live in Whittier, they're like, well, where the fuck is that? Yeah. <laughs> and I get it. You know, it's it's part of hip hop to put your city on a map and things like that. And I agree. But that only works if your city represents for you. That's true. You know, uh, otherwise, otherwise, you're just kind of like just a, a talking head kind of shouting it out, trying mm -hmm. to put your city on a map. If your city doesn't get behind what you're doing, it's kind of pointless. So I yeah. just say L.A., I'm an MC, 
my background is graffiti and uh hip hop is is pretty much my religion dope dope and um do you still graffiti or or not anymore every now and then every now and then i'll catch a spot i'll do a character this and that uh but to be honest like uh i did a lot of jail time because of graffiti and because yeah. of the things that come with graffiti uh you know it, it's kind of weird because uh my experiences were I got the shitty experiences where like, you know, I was in high school, somebody gave me a black book and then uh, somebody ratted me out, a teacher or somebody, they found a black book and they basically said, look, you got to tell us who's who in this book. Otherwise, we're going to pin you for all this vandalism for every name that's in this book. So I told him, go fuck Hello. yourself. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and from there, you know, juvenile hall and this and that. But uh, I had a lot of those type of experiences coming from graffiti, but Every now and then, I'll catch a spot. I'll hit up the homies, rest in peace. I might, you know, catch a spot for myself or the crew or somebody I'm with, paint a character. That was my thing was the characters was, you know, at the time, a lot of cats had throw-ups. They had, you know, burners, pieces, whatever, uh, good hand styles. So I was like, all right, well, how do I be unique? Because I didn't get into this to just do what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, same applies to rap. So I, I like drawing, so I did little characters, little faces, and they were unique to me. And yeah. I kind of ran with that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's dope. Um, and then I don't know if you remember, but um, the first time I actually met you, uh, for those watching, I met you at the Shabam um, Sadiq show in Escondido at the Storm Brewery. Um, so like you said, you're an MC, you're a podcast host. Um, you also have your um, clothing line or clothing merch. Um, yeah. What what made you like fall in love with, uh, with hip hop? I know you mentioned graffiti, but was there like a specific artist or song or that got you into the, the hip hop, you know, um, the scene? I think I think uh, what's weird about that is it's kind of hard to ask somebody uh, a particular moment. I think I think including yourself, myself, everybody uh, tuning in, you it pulled you in. It was like uh, it was like magnetism. Like you couldn't describe it. Yeah. You didn't know what it was. You didn't know why it was. You remember where you were, how you felt, things like that. But it was just a feeling. And uh, for me, it was all these different feelings and they come to find out well that's what they call hip-hop uh seeing dudes break dance i remember uh and this is not to take myself but growing up you know when i was in compton i would see dudes carrying around cardboard and you know like i get it people were recycling cardboard they do that shit in trucks <laughs> you know you might make a little bit of money doing that shit yeah but these dudes are carrying it and you know they had the, the boom boxes and shit and you know i'm a little kid and they set up they throw a little bit of sand on there and they're doing moves but i didn't know that had anything to do with the rap shit or the graffiti shit. They're playing yeah. rap music or they're playing. It was kind of a weird, like, I don't know what this is, but I want in. Yeah. I want to be a part of this. It just, it kind of drops in. And then eventually you find out like, well, technically they call this, this, and it's a part of this culture. And you're like, well, fuck, I, I want to be a part of this. Like, I love all the aspects, the B-boys, the DJs, graffitis, the MC, like all that, like yeah. every element, uh, I love it all. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, you just gravitate towards it. Um, and then uh, to kind of mention some, because I was doing a little bit of research um, on you, and I saw that you collab with like really like dope, well-known, um, you know, respected MCs like you know Master Ace, Sh Shabam Sadiq, um, Roscoz, Tumex. The the list goes on. So how did um, how, you said obviously uh, MC is something that's earned, not given. So how did you build up your catalog to be able to like, you know, um, collaborate with some of these big, bigger names? 
I think for starters, being from, you know, the LA underground, uh, a lot of it is like kind of carving out your own space because, you know, Project Bloat, a lot of these people wouldn't let you just show up and kind of just claim some shit. Yeah. So I did the battle circuit for a minute, but that was never, you know, the end game. I never wanted to get into being an MC just to rap about being an MC. Yeah. About how good I am, how much you suck, etc. I wanted to write songs for real human beings because I'm having a real human experience. But it was show and prove. You want to rap? You want to talk about shit? Okay, prove you prove you got it. Yeah. And uh, so I kind of jumped into the battle rap scene for a minute. And I battled a lot of prominent dudes that are, you know, doing battles to this day, making 10 Gs, 20 Gs of battle. Oh. You know, and we were, do we were doing these things and it was more or less for me to earn my spot. Mm -hmm. And from there, it was like, all right, okay, I did that, proved I could rap but I want to write songs. I want to write songs that have longevity, that resonate with people. Yeah. So I kind of fell back from the battle stuff and I started working <clears> on <throat> my first project. And I talked about a lot of different things and I put out a couple projects and my boy Izzy was like, all right, cool, this shit is dope. You've obviously earned your stripes here. You proved this, but we need people to see that you can kind of keep the pace with somebody of this level. So we started reaching out to other people that we respected, which is, you know, two Max, master ace, all these people. And mm -hmm. luckily they kind of heard the music. They saw the direction and they were like, all right, that's hip hop. We can fuck with that. So yeah. I've been blessed to collaborate with a lot of those dudes and uh, Sean P rest in peace. That was somebody I got to tour with his last U S tour. Um, I guess it's, it's a, it's a sacrifice. You try to maintain this, uh, you try to uphold this level of, of hip hop and uh, you know, it's more losses than gains, but the gains are great. And I've been blessed yeah. to work with a lot of those people. Yeah, that's you know? really dope. Um, and ironically, like now moving on to uh, your latest project, uh, Dance on My Grave, ironically, that has no features. Um, uh, uh, you mentioned in one of your um, IG posts that uh, the only features on there are your, your demons, which I thought that was really dope to say that. Um, but how did... How did this project um, like come along? Well, like what inspired it? I can tell a little bit from like hearing the tracks what inspired it, but um, I would like obviously to hear from from you, and what was like the the creative process of it, um, and what do you want your listeners to take away from from this project? You know, I think the the one thing that I touched on and I keep repeating is uh, I'm having an authentic experience, and hopefully we all are. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I can only say so much about how good I am. You know, at some point I got to prove it. Uh, music is is made to make you feel. And uh, I know how I feel. Yeah. So having, you know, this year's been <clears throat> fucking horrible. I've lost, you know, a lot of my friends to drug overdoses, suicide, you know, murders, like a lot of stuff like that. It's been a horrible year, health issues. Wow. So I'm like, okay, well, fuck, am I going to do another album about how fucking awesome I am? You know what I mean? Yeah. Or am I going to touch on reality? Like my feet are still on the ground. I bleed like you. So I made this to talk to people. This is this is my phone call to people. This is my last, you know, my last letter to somebody before they put me in the fucking electric chair. That's how I approached it. Yeah. And I wasn't afraid to leave it all there. And it's no disrespect to a lot of MCs. I know a lot of them got to stay in character. They got to do the Macho Man, Ultimate Warrior, Hulk Hogan, whatever. They got to maintain a character. Mm -hmm. For me, I am my character. I haven't created an avatar. 
car, some, you know, you know, uh, split personality to become that, to kind of get away from who and what I am. Uh, yeah. I wanted to give people what was really me. And there's a lot of stuff that I've carried and I've never discussed, which is, you know, the issues with, uh, you know, drugs, like having, you know, my family members, you know, and any drug you can name, heroin, crack, speed, any, any fucking drug, pills, whatever. Yeah. Uh, I, I've had family members uh, be addicted, overdose and die, or, or luckily make it back from, from those drugs. And a lot of that stuff isn't really discussed. People talk about selling them. People talk about using them. But where's the middle ground? Where's that area where it's like, yo, I survived that. You know what I'm saying? Nobody yeah. talks about that because it, it opens up this vulnerability. And I feel like hip hop has this street tough killer shoot them beat them up make money fuck bitches i get that but i mean even with biggie you know there's a reason why he's in the studio i got his picture on the wall uh because you know i'm a fucking piece of shit it ain't hard to tell you know what i mean <laughs> like uh you have to come from the heart at some point eventually otherwise that's just gonna eat you up you can't stay can't be a cartoon the whole time yeah uh, so this album came from that was living a real life living being around these people people where okay i might have had a certain vibe i picked certain beats for something else mm -hmm. and then i got a phone call about something and i'm like well fuck i don't even want to rap about how good i am you know that shit is irrelevant uh i'm fighting for custody of my kid i'm just trying to be a dad you know i don't give a fuck about being this or that to somebody out there in a the fake world so yeah. that's where that came from and the title dance on my grave comes from the fact that people will wait until you die to acknowledge you, to basically say, yo, That's true. oh, I always knew it was this, or yo, he was this, or she was that, or it wouldn't be this if she didn't, no, like, they try to create this dialogue, this bullshit story, where it's like, yo, you scrolled right past my shit while I was alive. You didn't tune in at all. Yeah. And now, you want to say I'm this and I'm that, that because people that had it, like when Nipsey passed, for example, uh, there was people that were genuinely touched by his music while he was alive. Mm -hmm. uh, but then you see a good 75% of people that pop up because they need a picture for their Instagram. They need to be validated like they exist. Yeah. So because Nipsey existed and he's gone, they got to show up to prove that they exist. And uh, it's unfortunate that, you know, shit is really vain you know, like that. But that's why I named it what I named it, Dance on My Grave, because if you won't give me my flowers while I'm alive, more than likely you'll come dance on my grave just to get your little shine, you know? Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, that's, I really, like I said, I, I really loved um, the the EP. It, it resonated, like you said, you talk about um, like real life shit and uh, relatable topics, because like you said, not a lot of, uh, not a lot of MCs do that nowadays. Um, they just kind of, like you said, do the, the braggadocio typical like rap you know where they're just bragging about themselves but that doesn't have like you said longevity uh, like this this ep will obviously outlive you your and your legacy so um really like i salute you i, I really enjoyed this project um it's one that you can yeah it's one that you can like uh put on repeat uh especially the the, the one that i liked uh was i think out of reach is what you call it in the wrong road um especially out of reach because it's something you can relate to where uh, when somebody passes away a close friend or family member um really like deep deep track that you have there it's it's 
it's weird because you know it's obviously a true story and, and the song opens with me saying you know ain't it crazy how life could change in one night mm-hmm. or it was my gun that took you out your son's life and it leaves it's open-ended it leaves a lot of questions where it's like well did i take his life or yeah. you know what i mean I'm, I'm in some way responsible for him not being here and he's out of reach i, I can't you know there's nothing i could do or say to reach out to him and the chorus is basically like if you could talk to a friend like he's still here heard his voice in a dream and it's real clear if you could say two words what would the words be said i'm sorry out loud i hope you heard me because that's what i would say because yeah. the opening lines are basically saying yo i heard it was my gun and like that piece of metal means nothing to me you know that yeah. shit has no value uh but i lost you and i'm sorry yeah. so you know i scroll my shit and and I see on Instagram uh friends that I follow that passed away. It's hard for me to unfollow them. I know they're not gonna post anything, but it's hard for me to unfollow that account because I don't need status. I don't need one less, you know what I mean? Yeah. I just leave it there. It does hurt to see, but it's a real thing. And I feel like the outer reach song is kind of touching on that, and that's why people identify with it. And again, yeah, that's why I got into hip hop. That's why I got into rap. Yeah. To like inspire, yeah, like you know, yeah, that that is, yeah, that I can, um, not, not me personally can relate, but I know, um, my younger sister lost a friend, um, uh, super young as well, and when you're saying about like uh, deleting somebody on Instagram that's no longer here, like I think she hadn't even deleted his number for like a year, I forgot how long it was, but it's hard to like let go, you know, that piece of that person. Yeah, like look, I just want to see your. Even if it hurts, I want to see your. I want to see your little, uh, your your default picture. I want to see. <laughs> I want to be reminded. You know what I mean? Like I'm not yeah. gonna delete that. Exactly. You know yeah. And what's uh, what's your favorite yeah. track off the project, for you? Honestly, um, and this is gonna sound weird, but I don't really. Um, I'm not a big fan of my own shit because I always feel like I could do better. A lot yeah. of times I listen <laughs> and I I hear, I hear what I could have done. Mm-hmm. I hear, you know, mistakes that the average person probably wouldn't notice. But um, I will say that I did get to talk about a lot of things that I never got to talk about. So, yeah. like, on Good Man, you know, I got to say, uh, you know, uh, you ever play Suicide Hotline? Tell your homie stop crying just to get a phone call to tell you that he stopped trying? I'm not lying. I get to say things like that because it's honest, it's open, it's, I needed to say that, fuck, because I'm sitting here eating myself up because I'm one of the last people that talked to this person before they killed themselves, you know, Uh, if I don't get to exercise that, then what the fuck, why am I doing this rap shit, so that, you know, I I appreciate the fact that I got to do it, and the production was so well, shout out Mm -hmm. to John Henry. And the question is basically like, yo, am I a good man? Like, I try my best, but you got to understand where I'm at. Like, you know, yeah. uh, walking with this halo balanced on my two horns. Uh, it's kind of one wrong step. Might have spoke too soon. I'm where these bitches swallow cock and the Coke balloons. Because it's like, you ain't trying to save Gotham? Play possum. Don't be a hero. The wrong glance will bring your chances down to zero. I walk a fine line. Be careful if you follow me. You'll end up at the gate sent to God with my apology. Because it's like, look, I'm not perfect. Yeah. I'm asking God, yo, am, am I a good man? Like, I've done wrong, but I've I've done some pretty right shit, too, I guess. 
Yeah. Uh, so it begs the question. That's one of the songs that I'm proud of because I got to say a lot. Uh, the title track, Dance on My Grave, I got to talk about a lot of things with my mom and confronting things within the music industry. For example, uh, I said, uh, this was all done for my sister and my son. Uh, she said, we're cursed. You got to fight that girl, brown kid, black music in this white man's world. When life throws a punch, throw one right back, girl. Right? So I got to say, hey, look, uh, within the music industry, I'm expected to look, sound, and act and carry myself a certain way and be marketed yeah. a certain way because of the way I look. My ethnicity, people of a similar ethnicity. Well, let's put them over here. Let's put them over there. And kind of, you know, for me, it was like, nah, I'm, I'm hip hop. I'm not gangster rap. I'm not cholo rap. I'm not this, I'm not that. Like, I'm, I'm fucking hip hop. I'm going to talk about an experience that black, brown, white, Asian, you know, et cetera, everybody can identify with because it's a human exactly. experience. And yeah. You know, but it, but I got to say that because a lot of people really won't give you your props. They won't. And, and again, yeah. it goes hand in hand with the title. It's like Dance on My Grave. Later on, when they have a minute to stop and listen, they're going to say, hey, this was a real person that existed. Exactly. And I wish I would have heard this then. Yeah. But, you know, I'm glad people are listening now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, yeah, you have a, a great project. Um, and then um, you also, like I said, you, you run your... Um, your own podcast you actually just brought it back right for is it like a specific season that you're on for your podcast or for your uh, first time you know what it's weird because like we started at a super audio network shout out to dre super audio network and for me like when because I've, I've done radio shows I've, I've been a host i did the the interviews for underground hip-hop blog okay you know I've, I've you know i've been blessed to interview dmx immortal technique and all these you know big names as mcs and producers uh necro and having my own radio show, shout out to OG Husky Radio. Podcast seemed kind of natural. But the thing was, was, yo, I don't want to talk about rap. Yeah. Like, I love rap. <laughs> yeah. I love rap. But I got homies that are barbers that used to rap or used to produce. Yeah. I want to talk about my homie who's a barbecue chef that opened a restaurant and his unique menu and how somehow hip-hop influenced his menu. Uh, actors, actresses, you know, uh, style, fashion stylists, like... I want to talk to people that were touched by hip hop, mm -hmm. but don't rap. Maybe they did rap. Maybe they did produce. Maybe they did DJ. But I, I kind of want to open it up to people that are artists outside of rap. Okay. Because I feel like that's something that's kind of neglected in a way. Like I have a friend of mine named Tyler. Mm -hmm. Dope dude. Big supporter. Crazy hip hop head. Uh, well versed in, in hip hop. Mm -hmm. North, south, east, west, you know, whatever. He, he knows a lot of shit. But he's a bartender okay. and uh but that that's his arena yeah so he's gonna tell you about this bourbon and this whiskey and this and this and this is from afghanistan and like you know people got to smuggle this through the mountains and like you know what i mean shit like that <laughs> like that's interesting to me yeah as a that, that's why i created my podcast was like i could talk to my friends that rap and make beats and that's cool <laughs> but i wanted to talk to people that were doing things beyond that but also talk to people that do rap yeah. And have a unique perspective. Like your perspective is dope because the horror stuff. Yeah. Which is which is why I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm down. You know, I'll, I'll make time because I feel like the horror stuff is its own uh it's its own little bubble. Yeah, it's stone culture, uh, yeah. <laughs> it is, it is. And like 
for me, uh, you know, sometimes you're around people that don't like scary movies. Yeah. And for me, I'm like, yo, I got to watch. I have to. So I'll wait till you're gone and I'm going to put this on. But I got to <laughs> see it. Like, it's a yeah. remake of this or, or I'll pull up something from the 80s. I watched The Gate the other day. And okay. it's, uh, what's his name? Uh, Stephen Dorff. Uh, oh, yeah. And it was yeah. super cheesy. It was super cheesy. <laughs> but I remember, I remember seeing that when I was a kid. And it fucking blew my mind, though, with the little, you know, claymation dude. It's fucking coming out, the little demons and dragging them. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think that what you're doing is unique. So that's why I'm like, hell yeah. And, th- and that's what I want on my show. Yeah. Because I want people that are outside of the box and aren't doing the typical uh, shit. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, because I was going to ask you about that too. Like, what's uh, what's like, what do you want to do with your podcast? So you kind of answer my question there. But yeah, because a lot of people, like you said, have a hip hop podcast, which is not really unique nowadays. There's a lot of uh, hip hop podcasts. So that's why, like you said, I did the horror thing and combined those two things because nobody was really doing that. So it's kind of cool that you're bringing like people from different arenas, like you said, bartenders, barbers, all that stuff. Do you guys um, like speak about specific topics or is it just like whatever comes to mind? So, so initially, like I started off where I, I was able to interview a couple people. I had uh, the homie Gift Revolver who's done stuff with like uh, he's done a cover for like Killer Army. He's done stuff with Wu-Tang. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, great, great graphic designer, comic book artist, can rap. Uh, his brother's great as well. Mm-hmm. But they come, they're they're influenced by hip hop, but their comic book stuff, Spawn, you know, Marvel, DC, you name it, uh, you know, Dark Horse comics, whatever. So they're bringing that side to it because there's there's a lot of people like, yo, you, don't tell me all you listen to is rap. That, that, that'd be pretty sad. If yeah. All you do is <laughs> listen to rap watch rap documentaries fucking paid in full all day like is that all you fucking do like there's got to be other stuff to influence what you're doing right exactly and, and that's kind of why i wanted uh these people on so gift revolver brought that angle um i had danny california who's done management she's been an artist herself she's done a ton of stuff so she's giving you different perspectives plus the female angle as far as being in the industry yeah you know, dudes working an angle just to try to you know sleep with her you know what i mean like yeah i'm pretty sure <laughs> like no, t- touch on these things because yeah. there's a lot of people that are unaware if they're outside of the industry they you know they don't think that that's real or they've never even heard of that so that's yeah. why i brought on these particular guests because i wanted that now i have asimov i have a uh, little javi the homie loan so we're mm-hmm. kind of building ourselves up so we got to cool back and forth to throw the ball around before we bring in a guest okay again the guests that I want to have on are people who are influenced by hip hop, but don't necessarily make hip hop. Okay. Yeah, that's dope. That's that's a good different take on it. Um, and uh, kind of moving on a little bit to a different topic. How has um, the pandemic uh, affected you creatively? Obviously, you put this EP, but has it inspired you? Have you been working more now that you're like, you know, forced to be home? You know what? Um, I built, I mean, shit, where I'm at now is, uh, you know, I converted this little spot into a studio. I got a little gym on the other side here. Uh, <laughs> I've tried to make the most, I've always tried to make the most of, of where I am, the time I have and things like that. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, being incarcerated, somewhat institutionalized, I've kind of figured out like, well, if they lock us down, like I'm not looking at it like we're locked down. I've been like locked down. <laughs> yeah. So this is not really that bad. You know what I mean? Yeah. I can still run to the gas station. I can still grab a pizza from here. I can still see the homie down the street. That's not locked down. Yeah. Uh, for me, as far as creative, uh, you know, there's a certain vibe 
when you're around people. What I miss most is obviously shows. Yeah. Because uh, we've been at a show. Like Shabam Shadik came out. Uh, shout out to Billy No Jokes, the homie uh, Coach Doe, PD Gaines. Uh, everybody, you know, that, that made that happen. Yeah. Um, and the show was for me was like that that's where i got to connect with other human beings i never wanted to be a rapper a studio rapper that just put out material and kind of hid behind a veil i wanted to meet people shake hands talk drink a beer whatever smoke a blunt crack jokes uh yeah because i don't know how long i got so <laughs> i want to share the time i have with people that are real they're in the same space as me you know what yeah. I mean? something brought us here for a reason so that's what i miss most is the shows as far as uh creativity and things like that i mean i could rhyme you know i'm in prison writing rhymes they asked odb uh what did you yo you must have come out with a couple of albums and odb was like yo fuck that i was just trying not to get stabbed <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. and, that, and that does play a big role in it where it's like hey you, you're kind of looking over your shoulder but if you're able to write rhymes and you're able to come up with stuff great so this lockdown hasn't really affected me too much in that aspect but i do miss the live shows for sure yeah i agree with you i do miss that as well do you feel like it's ever going to go back to like whatever you call like the new normal or do you think it's going to be like a little bit of like live streaming and like small venues you know what's weird though is like i don't see how me performing right here is interesting to you right yeah <laughs> that's why i love going to concerts because i love that like you said the human experience like you yeah. being in, with strangers and like listening to the same music and, you know you the people in front of you standing in front of you uh you know the sound system the smell in the room like everything is it's it's tangible you can smell it taste it feel it it's it's really real so with this i feel like this might hurt hip-hop in a sense that a lot of dudes are going to create an identity that they can project here on the camera mm -hmm. and they might not necessarily be able to back up in the real world, but that doesn't matter because it's harder to monetize the real world than it yeah. is to monetize this world. You That's can monetize true. this. It's harder to monetize the real world. If you don't got a good show, you suck. People aren't going to buy tickets. They're not going to buy merch if your merch sucks. That's so true. It's easier to monetize this because I can be whoever the fuck I want. And if rap doesn't work out for me, then I'll go back to doing this or that or this or that. So yeah. I feel like it'll hurt hip hop in that sense. Uh, as far as the artists that are already doing hip hop, it's going to test you because it's good. Hopefully it makes you come out with a lot of stuff that you weren't able to really do or say previously. You know yeah, I mean? exactly. Uh, if it doesn't, then you're just going to regurgitate ideas and songs and things you've already done. You know? Yeah, you gotta like, you know, um, kind of move with the times and like, you know, innovate. Um, so moving on to, um, usually I try to switch it up in the middle of the interview to like the horror side of it. So uh, switch it up a bit out of, outside of hip hop. Um, what's your favorite scary movie or if you have more than one and why? It's gonna sound dumb. <laughs> it's gonna sound real dumb. Cause I tell people this and they're like, yo, of all fucking movies, really? Uh, <laughs> Well, let me start with this. The movie that scarred me the most, horror movie, but it wasn't a horror movie. It was <laughs> fucking Willy Wonka. Oh, my God. It was a scene the where they're in the boat, <laughs> arms crawling on people's faces and shit. I was not ready for that. Yeah. <laughs> so that kind of warped me a little bit. And, you know, 
I saw the Freddy Kruegers and the Jasons and the Michael Myers. I saw all that. I don't know. That shit just kind of got me, though. Yeah. I was afraid of those guys, but that <laughs> shit scared me in a different way. Yeah. Where I was like, man, that, that's creepy as fuck. So that was the first, that was my introduction to something that was more psychologically scary. Yeah. As opposed to pop out and stab you or there he is behind the curtain scary. Yeah. That was like, whoa, what the fuck was that? Um <laughs> Another one that I tell people that's kind of like, what, really? Was the movie, uh, I think it's called The Haunting. It has a... Uh, is it with Catherine uh, Cedar-Jones, that one? Yes. All okay. right. Uh, there's one scene. I, I guess what it is, is it, the fact that they incorporated little kids. Yeah, little kids. There's, yeah. There's the little carvings of the little kids. Yeah. And you hear them running through the walls. And apparently the dude that built the house used to burn little kids in a furnace or some fucking crazy shit. And the little kids haunted the house and... Yeah. There was a scene where the faces turn and it was just reversing the frame. I understand how the directors, the editors did it. Mm -hmm. But for that split second, I was like, whoa, with the music, like that was creepy as fuck. Yeah. And really they wanted that lady to come there to free them because the owner of the house burned these little kids and their spirits were trapped. That movie. Yeah. That movie's a good movie. Yeah. It's a good movie. Aside from that, you know, the typical shit, you know. I like the new Halloween movie. Um, I was trying to tell people, like, yo, it's not the corny Jason in space. Uh, like they did it. <laughs> Jason they did X? It. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I tried to watch that the other day. And I, I, I couldn't. Yeah. I couldn't. <laughs> At least you didn't pay in theaters to go see that. I paid for that. Oh, not, shit. Imagine <laughs> if I would have been pissed. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Um, the Haunting is a, it's a good one. That's a slept on movie. Um, is there any other ones that you that stand out to you, or those are like the main ones? Um, like I said, the gate. Uh, the gate was another one that I don't know why it stuck with me. I think it was because the is it protagonist? The protagonists were little kids. Kristen, uh, uh, Stephen Dorf. Okay. Uh, little kids. So. Yeah. I'm used to seeing little kids in Alien. I mean, E.T., like, you know, friendly aliens and shit like that. Yeah. And now you got these little kids fighting fucking the seventh fucking dimension of hell and shit like that. Like, whoa, <laughs> what the fuck? And I think uh, that's what got me was like, I wanted to fight. And the little kid that was into heavy metal shit and spells and all that. Because I do kids like that. Yeah. They had problems at <laughs> homes. And then they were just kind of like, they were a little wild with their shit and like i don't know if that movie stuck with me um candy man of course was another one i think yeah. it was the bathroom scene that fuck with me because, oh yeah uh i think it was i went to the beach one time i don't remember where it was mm -hmm. and it just reminded me of that fucking bathroom with all the bees <laughs> in the toilet yeah and I, oh fuck this yeah it does remind you of that actually like the dirty ass fucking uh, beach bathrooms <laughs> yeah so candy man was another one uh, I mean, there's a few. There's a long list, but yeah. I think um, whenever there's a lot of hype around a scary movie, I I might not jump to see it right away. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Exorcist, of course, that's a classic. There's certain yeah. ones that I like, but if it's overly hyped, I'm like, mm, well, let's see. I guess I like more of the psychological scary shit than the than the jump scares. Okay, and you know who? What I mean? Who's like your favorite like um, villain or horror villain? Anybody that stands out to you? Um, 
I feel like uh, Michael Myers is dope. Jason is dope. Freddy is dope. Um, because they all have different personalities. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, like, I watch uh, Rick and Morty. And... Uh, <laughs> that Freddy Krueger episode? <laughs> yeah, when they make fun of him with uh, Scary Terry. Yeah. That was and, a funny uh, episode. <laughs> that one was really good. So that one, uh, like, Freddy Krueger was funny. Yeah. At first, wasn't funny. And then, I think the first time he... I don't remember when I heard him crack a joke. It didn't make him less scary, though. Yeah. Uh, it was, like, dark sense of humor. <laughs> yeah, it was like, oh, fuck. Like, he's going to kill me, and he's going to crack a joke afterwards. <laughs> uh, but I do like... Michael Myers, I do like Jason because they're quiet, they're relentless. Uh, I was talking about a good one was uh, Pinhead. Yeah, I love that guy. Yeah. The other day. Um, he, uh, what's the fucking box called? Oh, the, it's, it has a couple, uh, like the puzzle box, but they call it like Lemurchan's box and uh, the Lamette configuration. They have a couple names for it. So, I watched one of them not too long ago. And I remember that one was a different kind of scary, again, more mental. Yeah. And uh, it was a scene where the dude kills the girl's husband or some shit, the boxes in the attic. It was fucking weird, of course. Yeah. But I remember the scene where the fucking hooks, the chains and the hooks shoot out and they grab the dude by his skin. Yeah. And they pull him apart and rearrange him. And I was like, Oh, yeah, that's the first one. Yeah, that shit's pretty. Yeah, yo, that. Yeah, that was a different. That was a different type of scary. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's that's one of my favorite like films because Pinhead has a lot of like it's like you said it's psychological. He has like a lot of deep lines. Like now as an adult, I can relate to what he actually says. He says uh, right, right? Yeah, and it that film just touches on like um, pain versus pleasure. Um, which I thought was interesting because uh, nobody really would talk about a lot of like sexuality in the eighties. Um, it was like you know in the in the movies, but nobody really talked about it. Pinhead was the first one that kind of uh, started talking about that, so I thought that was interesting. But yeah, that that guy's it's creepy. Um, and the, and the, and his voice, the word that I learned from him was abyss. <laughs> yeah. About the abyss. Yes. And I was like, fuck, I want to know what that means because it sounds pretty fucking crazy. <laughs> and I remember going and looking it up and I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Like, he's, he's saying some super way out shit. Um, but he, again, he wasn't jump scary. He wasn't like, it was just like, you know you fucked up if you see him. You know what I mean? Exactly, yeah. I think I even saw like um, Jedi Mind Tricks um, actually sampled one of the his lines, they I did. think. Right? They so did, I was like, yeah. That was pretty dope. Um, and if you, I, this one's like a rare question to ask, but if you can make any um, horror movie like survival rule, what would it be? Like now in this modern, if it was like a modern horror movie, what would be your survival? Uh, well, I think back in the day, there was it was like a lot of teenagers running around and, you know, they were making dumb decisions on purpose. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, don't say you're going to come back because then you won't come back. <laughs> Shit like that, yeah. We <laughs> kind of like, you know, maybe you shouldn't go that way because that's where the sound is coming from. Yeah, that kind of shit. Uh, I mean, that's pretty basic shit. But yeah. now, I feel like um, 
intuition. I think a lot of people ignore their intuition. Yes, true. Uh, so if you if you feel like something's off, you should probably go. Yeah, you know what I mean? <laughs> that's in true. In those movies, they kind of stuck around and waited to see if that's what it was or, you know, if that was really her or him or whatever. Yeah, like the curiosity got the best of them. But, but again, like, they wouldn't make for great movies if they didn't do that. You know what I mean? Exactly. But, <laughs> I've been in situations where, like, uh, I'm kind of glad I didn't go. Because they're like, yo, right after you left, this happened. And I'm like, oh, shit. Uh, either coincidentally or you kind of feel like the vibe's a little weird. Yeah. Yeah. That's, so it, that's a good one. Yeah, because I actually have, like, a little anecdote that I can relate to. Because I remember we went to, like, a hotel party back when I was, like, in I think after high school. Um, and same thing you said, you feel that intuition, like, oh, something's not right. Um, so we left early and yeah, like sure enough, like maybe an hour after we get a call that one of our friends got stabbed and they had to rush him to the ER and I was like, oh shit. So I guess some yeah. people just crashed the party that weren't invited and, uh, they were trying to steal the gifts and they caught him and then they stabbed my friends. So I was like, that shit was crazy. Uh, but, but you, but you feel it. Exactly. So my survival tip would be trust your intuition for sure. That's a good one. That's a good one. Um, and do you yourself like um, believe in the supernatural or have you ever had any experiences that you can share? I've had, I've had an experience where like, this is when I knew it was real. Um, I lived in these apartments in Long Beach. Mm -hmm. and my, uh, my manager lived on the other side, the other, other side of the wall. Uh, was her apartment and she was into Santeria and shit like that. I remember I went in one time and, you know, she was friendly. So she was like, Hey, come in, you know, uh, she would drink and shit like that. And yeah. like, you know, she would flirt with a lot of dudes or whatever. Um, nothing ever happened. Thank God. Cause I found out some other crazy shit, but <laughs> I went in there one time and I was like, she's got an empty bird cage. She's got this. Bunch of weird shit. There's saints I never saw. Yeah. There's a little altar here to fucking, you know, cigars and, and, and just weird shit. And I asked her. And she told me, like, you know, this is what I do. Mm -hmm. All right, cool. So was in my apartment one day. And, you know, when you have uh, what it, sleep paralysis, where you kind of feel like you're being pinned down and shit like that. I've had those. Everybody's had those. Mm -hmm. uh, but this was different. This one was unique because... I felt it and my bed was pressed against the wall. So uh, my headboard was a studio apartment. So my headboard mm -hmm. was pressed against the wall and my eyes opened. I felt the pressure of something that got on me mm -hmm. and uh, my eyes opened. I couldn't move, obviously. Yeah. My eyes opened. So I'm looking at the blinds of, of my window and my bed is moving. I know I'm moving. My bed is moving, well, but I physically yeah. can't move my arms, legs, head, anything, but my eyes are open. Yeah. So naturally, I'm like, all right, well, if the blinds are moving, it's an earthquake. Eventually, I'm going to be able to just jump up and whatever, jump in the doorway, whatever the fuck, right? I'll be cool. Yeah. But the blinds weren't moving. Just the bed. So I had this sleep paralysis where I'm like, oh, fuck. This is, I'm moving, but I can't move my arms, legs, anything. Yeah. Blinds aren't moving. This is something else. I didn't pray. I didn't do any of this other stuff. I just kind of waited and I was like. I know what this is. I know what this is. Waited it out. Finally, like, I, like, just used everything I had in me, pressed against it, and I was able to get up. And this yeah. is when I knew that it was really real. 
I got up and my bed had moved almost a foot away from the wall. Oh, wow. So I didn't do that. I, I didn't have a seizure. I wasn't like, you know what I mean? Nothing like that. Yeah. How did my bed get that far away from the wall and nothing else in the house was moving? Because, you know, you look at the wall, paintings, glass, uh, Everything's decorations, yeah. anything. Shit moves and it wasn't moving. Yeah. But somehow I moved. So when I got up, I had to push my bed again, back against the wall because mm-hmm. of that. And that's when I was like, all right, this is a real thing. And I've had a ton of experience. Was that was that was the one that kind of sealed the deal for me. Was like, all right, this is a real thing, you know? Yeah. Was it like you think it was something like something that actually like was on you, or was it just sleep paralysis or a combination of? I feel like I feel like whatever it was, because uh, it attaches itself to you. Yeah. Uh, that's what I was told. And I I like you know, I walk like I always walk through the alleys. I I take the back ways. I like, you know. Um, if you're in a certain mood, if, if you feel a certain way, they attach themselves to you because mm-hmm. of your energy. Yeah. Uh, you kind of absorb that. You sponge that. You welcome it. And they kind of hitchhike. So they're attached to you. Uh, you're not aware of it. You fall asleep. And once you're completely vulnerable, that's when it starts to reveal itself and things like that. So that night, I had walked through an alleyway. And I was thinking a lot of negative shit, feeling a lot of negative shit. So whatever it was that was out there waiting for that, and it was at night. So whatever it was, I kind of felt like it trailed me home, waited till I was there and try to make itself known. Yeah. Uh, and it did. But it didn't shake me to where I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm super spooked. I didn't run to church or anything like that. Yeah. It just let me know that those kind of things exist. You know what I mean? Yeah, wow, that's crazy. Um, and what is like, what is your greatest fear? And then do you think you'll ever overcome it? Sharks. And I'm gonna tell you why. <laughs> so, I'm afraid of sharks because number one, you can't breathe underwater. So, like for example, if if I'm in a jungle and there's a lion, yeah, <laughs> fuck, I could breathe, I could run, I could climb a tree, I could do something, throw rocks, I could throw a stick. When you're, if it pulls you underwater, you're struggling, you're just taking in big gulps of air. There's no air, so you're breathing yeah. in water. So now you're drowning. This shit is pulling you down further and further. You can't outswim it because that's what it does every fucking day. Uh, supposedly, you hit it on the nose and it, it goes off. I don't know about that. I don't want to <laughs> find out. But there's just way too many disadvantages with being pulled into the ocean by a fucking giant sure. bender. You know? <laughs> Yeah. Like, I, I don't fuck that. So yeah. that's my big fear is like, think about it. If you've ever seen Jaws, super underrated as far as a horror movie. Yeah. It's more, it's more of like what could be there, the possibility. It's not so much that, uh, you know, it's, just, it's not spooky, but it's like it could be there. And if you've ever been in the ocean and you swam out a little too far, sometimes, at least me, I catch myself like, oh, fuck, I don't know what's under my feet. Right. Yeah, I don't fuck with the ocean. I don't even, I don't swim, so I'm like, no, I'm good. For that reason, though, right? <laughs> yeah. Am I, am I right, though? It don't got to be a shark. It could be exactly. Any anything. Thing. Yeah. Anything. Just, I don't, I'm not trying to be pulled into the darkness and fucking. To the abyss. <laughs> right? To the abyss. Fuck that. <laughs> um, and what are, like, two things that you would like to share that not a lot of people might not know about you? 
Um, well, I'm pretty open with a lot of shit, but maybe like a hobby or some secret hidden talent or something. Somebody asked me that the other day. They're like, "Yo, what are your hobbies?" And because I'm independent, I don't necessarily have hobbies. I just have a different facet of this. So, for example, uh, okay, I'm doing music. I'm, I'm a, you know, I write songs, uh, I podcast, whatever. But yo, I got to do graphic design because this single needs a cover, or this CD needs artwork, or this vinyl. Um, so I'll jump into that, um, or something needs editing. So I might edit a little bit of video, or create a promo. So like when they say hobbies, unfortunately. <laughs> A lot of my time is is you know consumed by this where I'm trying yeah. to make this work. So I don't have time to golf. I don't have time to fucking I mean things like that. Yeah. But I'm a big movie guy. I love movies. Um I like to draw shit like that. Um I guess if you want to call those hobbies that those are two things that I definitely do and and most of the conversation that I have with people is a lot of movie quotes. Yeah. A lot of quotes from The Simpsons, Family Guy, American Dad, F is for Family. You know, certain, like, <laughs> cartoons and movies and shit. As I'm well-versed in those uh, little quotes from those shows and movies. So, that's... Those are a couple things that I'm real big on, you know? Cool. Um, and what, for you, what has, what has been your greatest accomplishment as a creative? Just being able to, to do Dance on My Grave because I felt like there's some stuff on there that... For 10 plus years, as long as I've been doing uh, music recording, I wasn't able to say a lot of those things. And I kind of felt like, well, shit, all my friends are dying. Some of them are younger than me or a couple years older than me. If I don't say this now, fuck, I'm never going to be able to say it. I read a quote that said, uh, a lot of birds die with their music still in them. Oh, well, that's deep, yeah. And uh, when you think about it, you know, you wake up in the morning, you take that shit for granted. You, know, yeah. you open your window or your window's already open, you hear the birds. You know, and yeah. their, their music is, is in them. So they're constantly chirping, they're singing their songs, they're doing their thing. I don't want to die with my music in me. So my biggest accomplishment to date is being able to do and say a lot of the stuff that I said on the last project, Dance on My Grave. Uh, I don't want to attribute it to winning an award, you know, going to Switzerland, doing this, working with this guy or that guy. It's been being able to do what I set out to do, which is say something real and connect with real human beings that's been the ultimate goal yep. yeah that's, that's good um and then the last question i usually ask to finish out the interview um what kind of legacy would you like to leave behind either creative uh and personal i think really i just want to show people that are like hey if it was a jam you're a b-boy you're an mc be present show up do your thing if you want if you're not good enough there they, they laugh you out of there go home get nice get better practice come back you know make your presence known uh let the world know you are here which is why i have the name i have pause one is basically like leaving your mark because if you walk down the street right now and you look in the mud and you see paw prints it's basically that animal saying hey i was here at one yeah. point in time i was here um so it's pretty much that. It's, it's just letting people know, like, hey, be who you are and let people know you are here. Uh, doesn't matter what you do. Like I said, if you're a cook, uh, you're a fashion designer, you make movies, you write scripts, you're a comedian, just make your presence known. Go as hard as you can because 
The world is very cruel, very ruthless. You know, there's a lot of bullies out there just push through all that shit. That's the legacy I want to leave because I know where I came from. Coming from, you know, Compton, California. Yeah, I'm in the shadow of EZE, NWA, Ice Cube. Uh, but I wasn't, my family, you know, a lot of them didn't come from the side of being drug dealers. They came from being drug users. Yeah. So I'm, I'm basically a crack baby in essence. And I'm saying, hey, yeah, okay, I came from this side. But I'm a tough son of a bitch because I made it this far. And I could wrap my ass off. So I'm here in the jam and I'm going to let my presence be known. So that's really the legacy that I want to leave is to let people know that wherever they come from, it doesn't matter what they are, Indian, Asian, you know, Hispanic, white, black, whatever the fuck, just make your presence known. I just want to be an example for people like that, that come from not just nothing, but less than nothing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, dope, man. Um, I appreciate, again, your time, um, you know, talking with me. Thank you. Uh, and then, like I said, everybody go check out the EP, Dance on My Grave, streaming everywhere. Uh, follow him at Pause One. Uh, you can see below his uh, Instagram, and that's your social media on everything, right? I believe. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. Well, thank you again for your time. Uh, anything else you want to um, shout out here before you head out? Shout out to everybody watching this. I always say that at the end because shit, you made it this far. Just like in life, if you're after anything, a lot of people check out way too early. They quit way too early. If you made it this far, like. Just know that what it is, whatever it is that you're after is attainable. You know what I mean? Yeah, so exactly. keep pushing. I wish you guys the best. You know what I mean? Yeah, man. Thank you so much again um, for your time. Um, and yeah. All right. Peace, man. Peace. Thank you, everybody, for, uh, for tuning in today. Um, again, this is Nightmare on Sedgwick Avenue, Episode 5, Season 2. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, and yeah, have a good one. Peace.